Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Movement comes back to Detroit and Hart Plaza this Memorial Day weekend as Detroiters and visitors from around the world celebrate the roots and evolution of techno that grew here in our city. Kevin Saunderson, one of the Belleville Three, credited with the creation and elevation of techno worldwide, is going to join us to talk about the upcoming festival and the importance of techno's origins right here in the Motor City. That's next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. WDET's live broadcast of Detroit Today from the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference is made possible by the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Good day and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us today. As Detroiters, we know this to be true. The culture that drives this city drives America and much of the world. It's been proven time and time again culturally, but perhaps most prominently in the music that we create here in the Motor City. Think about it. Without Detroit, there is no Motown. There's no Aretha, no Temptations, no Stevie Wonder, all kinds of things that are treasures the world over that got their start right here in Detroit. But this Memorial Day weekend gives music fans around the world the opportunity to celebrate another culturally significant sound born right here in Detroit. It's because this weekend marks the return of the Movement Music Festival, an annual event that celebrates Detroit electronic music and its heritage as the birthplace of techno. Inspired by futurist ideals, a generation of creators and musical pioneers in the city used the technology they could get their hands on to invent an electro-infused danceable sound that inspired a new genre of music. And our next guest was one of the original pioneers at the heart of that techno genesis. Kevin Saunderson got his start DJing and creating music with Juan Atkins and Derek May over five decades ago, bonding over the sounds of acts like Parliament Funkadelic and Kraftwerk. It was from that friendship that the Belleville Three, as they are affectionately known, helped create the revolutionary sound that we now know as Detroit Techno. And as I said, it is something that is celebrated and enjoyed worldwide. For his part, through acts like Inner City and the Reese Project, just to name a few, Kevin has created no less than seven U.S. chart-topping dance tracks, including perhaps his most well-known single, we'll hear this a little later, Good Life, which was released in 1989. This weekend, Inner City will return to the stage for a DJ set as part of the Movement Music Festival. And to help get us prepared, we're now joined by the man behind Inner City and one of the pioneers of the sound that drives the festival in our city this weekend. Kevin Saunderson, it is always great to see you. 
Welcome to Detroit Today. All righty. It's, it's good to be here. It's so good great to, to have you here in studio. Uh, I should also say we've got another guest with us today. Not really a guest, just someone in studio with me uh, today is uh, Nick Austin, who is a producer here on Detroit Today and the host of Soul Saturday, which you can hear right here on WDET from 8 to 10 p.m. Every Saturday, Nick, welcome to the studio. I think I just did this show, like Detroit Today, for this moment to hang out with Kevin Saunders. So, so <laughs> you know, right. I've achieved it. Yeah. it. We can we can move forward. Now. <laughs> <laughs> We're hanging. That's right. It is. It is. Uh, as I said, Kevin, it's really great to to see you. Um, let's first talk about the return of movement to Detroit. People are really hyped for it. Uh, We missed it. And uh, what does it mean to have it back with us in 2023? Yeah, I think it's going to be in full force. There's a lot of excitement. Of course, you know, it it did come back last year. But, you know, people probably were on the fence about coming. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure everything was going to be all right. So I think now it's going to be pretty wild. It's going to be one heck of a weekend and and with uh, uh, enormous talent and I think I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And, and we look like we got great weather so that all I had that, that <laughs> it makes it great. Yeah. What's the what's the part of the festival that you're most looking forward to? Who are you most looking forward to see? Well, you know, I do a stage, I curate a stage, so I'm always excited about the stage because you know, I'm all about the past, the present and the future. So, I'm doing something different this year at the festival. I'm doing a uh, uh, um, collaboration with Defective Records from London. And London played such a role in helping Detroit, you know, get to the forefront and really pushing our sound. And it's the first time I've worked with Defected since, you know, we basically ever. So so I think it's nice because that stage is, is the talent of Defected artists, KMS artists, um, and I, I get the opportunity to play back to back with my son, so that's exciting. Uh, Saturday, I'm gonna go see DJ Minks, Carl Craig, <laughs> Detroit Love, and I'm just gonna float around, you yeah. know, float around from about six in the evening. <laughs> I'll be there at six in the evening every day. That's I, I feel like that's part of the culture of movement that kind of floating around, right? You just yeah. kind of hang out and see what's what, see who's there, and and you know, just become part of. Uh, the fabric of the of, of the, the the feeling of it. That's right, yeah. and you you vibe differently in different stages, and just you, you engage. Even my mother, she comes every year, and she she'd be on that dance floor too. You know, she get out there and she she moves, she moves, <laughs> and she's moving, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I make sure I have my uh, phone ready to video every time. So it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's nice to see that too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to talk a little about your experience growing up here in Detroit, uh, in the Detroit area, and how the city influenced the things that you started to do when you started to, as I said, kind of pick up whatever you had available to make noise uh, and then sound and then music. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the fact that Juan Atkins and Derek were from Detroit, because originally I, I moved from New York to Inkster and mm-hmm. Inkster to Belleville, and that's how the Belleville Three kind of got together. So being around those guys in Belleville, it wasn't nothing to do. You fish, or played sports. <laughs> I mean, really, it was country. I mean, think about it, coming from Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, Inkster was different too, but Belleville was a, a culture shock for me. So 
So we kind of hung around each other a lot. And Juan had these uh, different electronic synthesizers, this stuff you just never seen before. So mm-hmm. it caught my eye. And that's that kind of was the beginning, even though I didn't start making music at that point. But that was the beginning of me being, you know, curious and seeing Juan and the path that he went down. He started with Cybertron. So he was the first, of course, that inspired Derek and myself and many others to follow. But just being around them and through time and seeing technology, my time came. Yeah. Yeah, as I was at Eastern Michigan, I was playing football. Thought I was going to be this great NFL football <laughs> player. Well, that path changed into being this creator of techno, which yeah. uh, that that's that was my destiny. And just being around them and the, the tools to, to know that you could make music solo by yourself, that was amazing. It was mind-blowing to me. You mean I don't need a bass player? I don't need to know how to play bass? At that time... I didn't know music. I took one music class, you know, just for the heck of it, you know, play the flute and stuff like that. But I didn't really understand, you know, theory. But you didn't need to at that time because what we were doing was rhythm bass, at least what I was doing in the very beginning mm-hmm. was rhythm bass, drums, mixing it in in my DJ sets. Then after a while I said, well, that's kind of boring. I need to do something more. Then I figured out MIDI, sequences, how to bring it together. Well, let me try to do a bass line. Well, I knew if I stayed on the white keys, I wouldn't clash with the black <laughs> keys. So, you know, it was real basic yeah, like that, yeah. but it just kept evolving and evolving. And then, you know, um, I could get a song 70% done, but might need just something added. So I, I bring in a keyboard player and say, play this line. I would hum it out and, you know, they would try to get it as close as possible. So, you know, technology is really what drove this scene and without it, we wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we're taking a look, Kevin, and you mentioned how technology drove the scene there, I got to figure, you mentioned being in Belleville, Detroit. Was there anything unique about your experience here in Detroit at that time that you think really went into creating a sound that still endures to this day? Yeah, just just coming to the city, I remember coming to the city and Juan had this deep space event going on. Um, that was really it from the city because I didn't really hang in the city until after I kind of mm-hmm. had some success was mm-hmm. when I moved downtown. Um, otherwise, I came down one or two times and it was uh, at, at Juan's event. So that was still my inspiration to see Juan DJing playing this music that, you know, we heard on the Electrifying Mojo. Now, Electrifying Mojo was pivotal too because right. he paid this collage of music and played albums stuff you you know radio you hear a single and hear another single but mojo kind of broke acts and that helped and he just didn't play one style of music he played craft work he played b52s parliament funkadelic prince michael jackson you know you name it you know eddie grant i mean this just great music and so that's where Detroit, the, the, a lot of the inspiration came from too now. 
Yeah. Now, that's awesome. And, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier how you have records with KMS, and we'll get into that. Also, working with your son, we're going to get into that a little bit in the future. Mm-hmm. But a lot of why we're talking with you right now is because of the Movement Music Festival. And one thing I hear from people about that festival, that electronic music sound, it gets them moving, something different about the emotional experience that you have when you're with a group of people. Movements happening this weekend. What is it unique about the festival and the sound there that you've experienced? And you've DJed many places, mm-hmm. but what's unique about the movement experience from your eyes? Well, I think the facility is unique. First off, Hart Plaza in the city, across from Windsor, um, is a great venue. That's for one. And if I look back to the past, the production level, the stages, it has, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's tripled, quadrupled, thousands of times <laughs> as far as the, the the value of production. So that adds an element, you know, part of bringing people together. You know, if you could bring people together and you you have not, if your sound isn't good or your production is good, it doesn't make for a great experience. I don't care how great the DJ is. So when you have all those elements the people, the venue, then that's what—that's what's driving it. So I, I think that's the important part there. You know that the 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 first of all, I mean, I, I'm glad to hear you say that about Heart Plaza because there's a lot of people who are not big fans of Heart Plaza, and there's things about it that, from a a, a space, you know, perspective, we could have done better. Uh, but but the the stage is there, and the way that they make you feel. Uh, like you're inside something, even though you're outside, for me has always been magical. I mean, when, when we have uh, Jazz Fest down there, sitting down there and listening to, 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 to great music is a totally different experience. And at Movement, it's a totally different experience. And I can't think of another place that I go to hear live music that's quite got that feel like right. Heart Plaza. Right. Yeah. I mean, the venue's special. And our music is meant the people to dance, the pulse of the four four kick, some that driving force. Uh, whether it's down tempo elevating up to a faster BPM, it it drives everyone mm-hmm. and it, it connects everyone too to to one rhythm and a groove. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Kevin Saunderson about movement and about techno. We're going to hear a little of Kevin's work and talk about what it's like for him to be working with his son now in uh, music and in techno. We want to get going with you listeners on the phones and on social. Are you going to movement this year? What are you excited to see there? What are your favorite memories from past festivals, uh, tell us the story of how you fell in love with electronic music and techno. How proud are you that, uh, as Detroiters, we get to claim this as one of our great contributions to the world? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We can work you into the conversation that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
WDET provides trusted news, inclusive conversations, and cultural experiences that empower the community. 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and our guest is Kevin Saunderson, one of the pioneers of techno, a particular style of EDM that originated here in Detroit. He is performing at the Movement Music Festival this Sunday at 10.30 p.m. We're talking about movement, uh, Detroit getting ready to move, uh, and talking about the, the, the feeling that that drive that uh, festivals like Movement give us and the pride that we as Detroiters, of course, have in the creation of techno here in our city. Uh, I want to hear from you on the phones and on uh, social as well. Give us a call. Let us know if you're going to Movement. What are you looking forward to? Is it one of your favorite times of year here in the city? Uh, Tell us about past festivals. Tell us what you're looking forward to this year. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag uh, Detroit Today, and uh, we'll include you in the conversation that way. We've also got Nick Austin in the studio with us. He is a producer here on Detroit Today and the host of Soul Saturday, which you can hear on WDET from 8 to 10 p.m. every Saturday. Uh, Kevin, recently you performed, uh, you were formed Inner City with your son and the help of Stephanie Christine, Christian. Uh, why was it time for the return of Inner City? Well, it, it happened by accident. I, I had no idea we were going to go down this path, but as my son Dante started creating his own style, his own music, I kept like, you know, popping into the studio and I kept saying, hey, you sound like me. <laughs> I mean, really, like, you know, shocking, it, right? It, so after after about three or four times, I thought it was just one particular record. It was called Good Luck. And we did it with a, a lady who sings out of here, too. Uh, her name is Lisa Ray, Lisa, Lisa Ray, I think. Anyway, so. We did, you know, I decided let's collaborate, do this song together, make it an inner city release, and let's just, you know, put it out, see yeah. how it goes. Well, we did that, it went well, and um, I ran into Stephanie because I wanted to do a 30 year anniversary type of classic show at Movement, and the original singer, she had retired and just moved on and doing different things, wasn't singing anymore, so. Uh, auditioned Stephanie and thought she could fit the part. So we did that at Movement, and it went down really well, and her performance was great. So then from there, we started getting interest from Europe, people saying, hey, we went in a city, we see you performing again. And it just kept developing to the point where Don Tesme kept collaborating, working on tracks. I brought Stephanie in. We started traveling overseas doing shows. And then we was doing a ton of shows right before the pandemic. Pandemic, And we was working on an album at the same time. So that's kind of how it happened. I thought, okay, well, they have uh, my legacy of records. We can move forward with new records. 
and inner city can keep going, yeah. and it can really become kind of part of Dante's more him probably than me in the future. But right now, it's, it's all of us, and we we're continuing to make records and tour yeah. and give our creativity to the world. I mean, it's incredible to be able to work with your son in that yeah. way. I mean, did you ever really imagine that that he would pick up music? From Not you? at all. No. I didn't do anything to drive him in music. He reminded me, like, Dad, you, you know I was in band? I was like, I don't remember that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, that's what he told me. You know, I, I was like, I don't remember that. So I didn't think he had anything. I mean, I know he liked music, and he listened to a lot of hip-hop growing up and stuff like that. But what drove him is his friends kept saying, uh, your dad is Kevin Saunders and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and he moved with them. All I know is eight months later, where well, he was telling me as he moved with them, dad, my friends are DJs, so I've been working on stuff with them, DJing. You know, I didn't think nothing of it. He moved back home, and he had all this inspiration to be in the studio and be in the studio and practice DJing. So after a while, I knew it was real and organic, so I let him become a part of it even more. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. Uh, so I want to uh, have us take a listen to the single you released this month, which is uh, called Reach. Tell me more about that particular song. It's so It is so driving. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all about writing or having uplifting songs um and it came a time during the pandemic and uh Dante's mother she writes with us she wrote some of the songs within the city and this is one of the ones I brought her back yeah we had the music and just didn't know what lyrics we was going to have at the time so she came in and uh, she wrote the lyrics to the song, and I, I just thought it was it was kind of perfect. It was, you know, it's touching, uplifting, um, and, uh, you know, also driving, you know. Mm-hmm. Make, it's a different perspective from where you're at in your life at that point, whether it's obviously we're in post-pandemic now, but, you know, it, it, it's going to mean something to a lot of different people mm-hmm. through that time period, and we made it during that time period, so. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one of the great things about all music is, of course, the collaboration that goes into the creation of music. But there are some genres where collaboration is more a part of creation than than in others. Jazz, of course, uh, I think is is maybe at the top of the heap. But techno, I feel like, is right behind that. And on that track, you feel the different influences, right? I mean, uh, you're a really different artist than Stephanie Christianen, but yeah. but it all works. Right. It all works together. Right. Yeah, Stephanie's actually she's more of a rock singer right. than anything. But yeah, it, it definitely works. Some powerful vocals there on that track, and it makes me think about the fact that you know if we look back at your life in creating music, you've done things in all kinds of different genres, right? People think of you with Chicago House with the original Inner City, that mm-hmm. gospel-infused uh, music I hear there that reminds me a little bit of the Reese Project. Mm-hmm. So many other things that you've done, so many different names. Uh, why is it that you feel that this urge maybe to create music in one style, then another style, then another style? Uh, is it different facets of you? What goes into doing that? It's just who I am and who I, how I was inspired when, you know, growing up musically. You know, even though everything is dance pretty much, um, I even have my e-dancer project that's more techno but deep. So for me, 
I have these influences and I have the creativity that I, I want to share and express. So when I'm creating, it's it's an expression, and some stuff sounds different than others, you know. And sometimes when you work with a different singer, it gives it a different flavor. So um, I created a few different aliases to complement that that creativity. I like that. But does anybody ever see you when you're DJing a set or something? They say, "What is going on here, Kevin? Give me what I loved you for this one specific track or this oh, one specific beat." I've definitely even had that. Play more techno. Play more house. You know, um, even in my sets, you know, the perfect set for me. I play a bit of everything and I elevate into techno. That's the perfect set. Now I don't always play that because if I'm playing a, a techno event and I'm only playing an hour, then I have no time for that. I have to just get right to it. Or, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's who I am. And, you know, I, I think people uh, appreciate that, but you can't make everybody happy. And <laughs> I don't try to please people. I just do what I do and, and I'm I'm blessed to do what I do. So I, and I love expressing what I feel like should be out there. Yeah. I love that. Uh, if I can, though, one thing that people would never let me get away with is not asking you about the track that I think really gets a lot of people dancing, moving, and going. And that's Always. with the original <laughs> Inner City 1989 release off of Paradise, Good Life. You mentioned earlier Paris Gray helped you sing that. Before we ask you a little bit about that track, we want to take a listen to it right now. I mean, yes, it's, it's truly a classic. Um, I think the hook... Paris vocals, first of all, is a hook. Just her singing is unique. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, if you think about it, can you think of any singing that sounds like Paris? I, I can't. <laughs> I've heard many singers. She has a unique style, so that that helps. And, you know, when I'm working on uh, music, uh, if you listen to the, the main uh, riff, it's hooky. So it's got a lot of hooks, mm -hmm. and it's positive. It's uplifting. It makes people feel great. So how do you build a song like that. What was the first thing you laid down for that track? Yeah. Well, I, I remember this very well. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my apartment at Eastern Michigan and the label called up and said, oh, Big Fun is, is going through the roof. We need a follow up right away. So <laughs> I say, well, okay, let me make something like Big Fun, but try to elevate it, make it better, you know, or different, you know, but still they kind of want to be in the same family. So I started out with the, the uh, putting the kick drum, just a straight kick to give me a beat. And I played the, the good life riff, the, the famous riff. Mm -hmm. uh, and I added a little, a little string part to it. And I had enough there and I started building around that. And I just arranged it a little and it was real raw. And then I took it to Paris it's, uh, sent it to her in Chicago, should I say. Uh, mailed it to her. <laughs> <laughs> mail, mail. <laughs> and we had a conversation. And I say, well, I, the goal is to connect the two uh, like their family. And she came up with the title, Good Life. Mm -hmm. So when she did her part and the melody, I went back in. Once I heard it, I loved it. And uh, I actually flew Derek May out there to Chicago to do a mix, Juan to do a mix. I did the radio mix back here in, in Detroit, and the Steve Sickhilly did a remix, and uh, it just all came together. But when I had her vocals, after she did her part, it re-inspired me to add other parts, you know, under it to, to, mm -hmm. to complete it. So, I mean, I remember the first time I heard that track, 
uh, it was on Mojo's uh, show. Oh. Uh, we were driving around in Detroit at night, and uh, it came on. And I, I just remember the look on everybody's face and the way everybody started to move in the car. Right. It, that was such a moment here right. uh, in the late 80s right. uh, in Detroit. Yeah. It's just incredible. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Some, yeah. some great experiences to see <laughs> how crowds and people just – gravitated towards that record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here. Let's start today with Jamel in Detroit. Jamel, welcome to the show. No, great. Thank you for having me. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Great. Great. All right. Yeah, I just want to share uh, my memories of the music festival. The first one, fond memory, when when it was free. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but, but, but I'm sure corporations, they looked at it and said, hey, this thing's going to be huge. It's going to be big, and we can make some money off of it. Because I remember when it was $5, $10, $25, you know, and, and so on. But uh, I remember being down there. You guys said Heart Plaza is a beautiful place for it. I remember standing down there, feeling like I was in Amsterdam. But I also had this thought, like I thought I was like overseas somewhere. It just felt, I felt like I was in Europe or out of the country because it was just a beautiful vibe, man. It's awesome. I love the movement festival. Yeah, yeah. That's all I wanted to share. No, I appreciate that, Jamel. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, because uh, Europe inspired us as well, and to bring it back here and bring something to the Detroit that was not happening, it was really special. And of course, it was free, but it wouldn't have survived free. And I'm one of the producers who produced it when it was five and ten dollars, and it couldn't survive. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, and fortunately, it's where it's at now. But it, the production level is such a high quality, and and what people get out of it is is just amazing. Yeah, we're going to talk in a little bit uh, with the uh, director of the festival about some of those logistics and uh, the money and how all of that works. It, you know, it would be great if it could be free, but there is something about you know, showing that we appreciate all of the work, all of the creation that goes into it by saying, look, it's, you know, money is, is what makes all of that possible. Uh, money is what supports all of it. So uh, that's an important part, too. Jamel, really appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go to Joe in Rochester Hills. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen. Hey. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, great, great, uh, great show. Uh, memory for me on movement, I one of the first few free ones i don't know it might have been the first one but i i brought my daughter and my niece they were like teens and they they always rubbed me because i had eclectic view you know music taste and uh <laughs> they thought i was from i think outer space at the time maybe <laughs> but uh uh and, and i you know like you and your son i love i love you got your son uh in the biz uh i come from a music family my dad was a big band drummer in uh in Detroit, and uh, uh, so a lot of the purists, they thought I was strange, too, because, you know, electronic music, that wasn't really music, was it? Uh, but I think over the decades, everybody's learned a little bit about it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I started with Cakewalk, man, if you remember. Oh, oh yes. yes. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Definitely. Well, that's how, that's how far back I go, and I, I still produce on my own and love it, and uh, I, it's so so valid, and I will be there this weekend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. All righty. Yeah, Joe, thanks so much for... Uh, for the call, you know, uh, Kevin, if if someone asks you what you do or what you are, mm. 
what do you say? Because <laughs> what reminds me of that is Joe saying, bringing up that, you know, for a long time people were, were questioning whether this was music right. and questioning right. its cultural quality. Uh, right. Nobody's having that argument anymore, but, right. but it's, it makes me think, what, what do you say you do? Yeah, it, it's a tough one because I, I wear a few different hats. And if you say you're a DJ, then they say, okay, so what's your real job? At least <laughs> at least, at least, 15 years ago, I think people are a little more, you know, uh, educated on that now than back then. But I, I had that before. Um, I, I tell them I'm an entertainer, uh, a music creator, mm-hmm. as simple as that. And that covers really anything that I do. And and I mean, but you're a musician. I, I yes. don't think there's any question about that. Yes, definitely. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'm definitely a musician. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, Kevin Saunderson. It is always great to see you. As I saw it, um, we will see you 10:30. That's right. Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday, night. Sunday night, 10:30 okay. at the Movement Festival. Great to have you here Thank with you. us on Detroit today. Thanks Thank for coming, you. man. All righty. All right, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to learn more about this year's event from festival director Jason Hoover. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Stay with us on the phones and on social, too. 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us. In 2000, Detroit began its annual tradition, celebrating its roots in techno by holding its first international electric music festival at Hart Plaza, then known as the Detroit Electronic Music Festival, DEMF. The three-day event helped highlight Detroit's role in the evolution of electronic music in all its forms. Now known as Movement, the three-day festival provides Detroiters with one of the best opportunities to see both homegrown and nationally recognized talent all in one place, all celebrating a form of music that was vital to the cultural development of this city. To help us learn more about this year's festival, including what goes into running an international festival of this size and Detroit's spot in the electronic music space, we are now joined by Jason Hoover, the Movement Music Festival Director and a principal of Paxahow, who has put on the event since 2006 and is celebrating the 25th anniversary this year. Jason, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Nice yeah. to see you and to hear you. Yeah, great to have you here. Uh, from your viewpoint, uh, where does Detroit fit into this world of electronic music internationally and historically, and where does movement fit in all of that? Well, movement's kind of like the torchbearer for, you know, the first question is where does Detroit fit? And, you know, Detroit's had a, obviously a long history of, of you know, innovation in the musical space. Um, you know, Detroit did it first, you know, is a, is a, is a fact of a lot of different genres and artists. Um, you know, I, I never have an answer of what the magic is. We used to say it's in the water, uh, you know, <laughs> but there is, a, there is a creativity here that's very unique to the space. I think with electronic music, you know, being uh, one of the latter genres that that developed here, um, it it took a lot of inspiration from people's parents and grandparents, and 
with you know electronic music artists specifically, I always said that you know it, it, you know it's easy to get into you know because there's so much accessibility to techniques and artists and success stories and 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 challenges, but there's big shoes to fill. So you know if you want to be a DJ or a producer in Detroit, there's a lot of people that you know that that came before you that are. It's great to have that kind of inspiration, but in order to stand out, you've got to do something a little bit different. And I think that you know the cascading effect of that you know, kind of, uh, you know, opportunity and pressure is what really helps innovate uh, the music here uh, differently and, and in some ways more progressively than other areas. Yeah. Uh, the international uh, recognition of the festival and the international kind of dynamic of the festival, I think is one of the things that's really important. Talk about how that's grown, I guess, over over the years. Yeah, I mean, you know, Detroit has, you know, historically inspired other areas in the world that were able to, you know, uh, gather, you know, in large numbers way before the, the United States could. So it was kind of a, you know, strange relationship where in the early days here, it's incredibly underground, very, very small parties. And then in places like Berlin and and in the UK that were, you know, able to gather in large spaces, there were these huge, you know, scenes that were developing that ultimately created the the festival blueprint. And so, you know, when the, when the festival here in Detroit, you know, finally was launched and, and the America had something to kind of balance it out with. Uh, you you had a lot of support that has already you know developed in other areas that was happy you know to come here and be part of this event, and that's why we get such a participation from from out of area artists, and that's why you know people from other parts of the world are are so excited to visit here, um, you know because of the the uh, the historical relevance that Detroit holds. It, it's become very much uh, of a of a you know an annual uh, gathering of sorts uh, yeah. to to honor uh, Detroit's you know, past and, and present. Yeah. Speaking of that past and present, of course, electronic music, so vital to the movement festival, but uh, you've been introducing other acts, including hip hop into the world of music, which I suspect for some who love electronic music seems like a curious connection. I love my hip hop, but I wonder how does hip hop uh, end up becoming a part of the movement music festival? How's that connection for you? Well, hip hop is largely electronic music. Um, there, there's of course, you know, not just the, the, the shared machines, but there's a lot of similar rhythms that inspired a lot of, you know, techno artists in their early days. And in some cases, um, still collaborate and, and, and work with, you know, uh, and that's just outside of personal interest and connection. Um, there was a there was a strong base of of hip hop fans and, and industrial fans, you know, as electronic music was developing, and there was a, there was some crossover that existed in people's lives and in some clubs, you know, and you know, especially in the you know late '80s and early '90s. You know, these days, you know, we don't get a lot of opportunity to do you know straight hip hop shows, and um, and you know our club events are mostly house and techno. So because of the earlier hours and, you know, the, you know, more, you know, more stages and, and more space, uh, it allows us to kind of reach out and, and, and work with uh, a lot of these acts. I mean, we've, we've, we've booked some acts that were, you know, life goal acts, yeah. like, some, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, bands that we, that, and groups that we always wanted to work with, but we didn't have another opportunity to until the movement festival. And that is a, is a great, you know, connection and the audience participation is always really enthusiastic. And, and most, you know, most interestingly is the hip hop artists with the techno artists where I'm not sure that that connection was always there. And when you see, you know, uh, these artists interacting with each other nowadays, there's a really strong connection. It's really cool to see. 
So I'd be intrigued then with so much time that you've spent in putting on this festival, again, going back almost a couple decades now, do you have any unique memories or things that you have from all of your experience with the Movement Festival? What's one of your great stories from the event? Oh, that's a that's a pretty loaded question. We, you know, every every year there's something that happens that's really incredible, and and it's usually uh, directly related to the artist and audience connection, uh, combined with the uh, you know the, the you know the wonders of Hart Plaza and you know the every now and then the stars align and we get perfect weather. Yeah. Uh, there's a transition that occurs in the festival at sunset. You know, uh, just right around 10 p.m. when things go from from day to night, and that is always a really cool thing to participate. Um, we try to time a lot of our acts to facilitate that that transition musically, but there's a, there's sort of a high gear that happens that, that that shifts into play there when that sun sets. And you know, if you if you look at what happens on those stages, you know, over the next two hours when we're able to, to use the lights, you really see it. We're, we've got kind of a day event and a and a, and a night event happening uh, at the same time. And uh, you know, this year we've got. Uh, I say six and a half stages. We've got a pop-up stage that has continued to grow every single year. Uh, we've got, you know, the, the, the Tito's River Garden area that is almost a stage in of itself. And uh, there's so much music there that it's hard to really identify specific things. I mean, going back to what you said in the first place uh, with, with the uh, hip-hop, you know, Loco Dice into Public Enemy was was pretty incredible, yeah. and uh, and Ice T being on the property and grabbing a microphone, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, that that wasn't planned. You know what I mean? It wasn't in the schedule, and uh, you know things like that 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 happen. You know, there's these specific moments that make our our staff and our the rest of our team know that it's it's worth all the hard work. Uh, and it and it's you know hopefully translates to the audience that it was worth all the effort to be there. Yeah, it's come up a couple of times already on the show, uh, the fee to attend movement, which of course is it's not new, but originally the the festival was free. Uh, talk about what it takes to put on a festival of this size and scale, uh, and and why it's important to to have people have to have to pay for it. I mean, I, of course, all of us would love if somebody would, you know, drop a bunch of money in the middle of, uh, <laughs> of the event to make <laughs> yeah. sure that people didn't have to pay. But it's not very it's not very realistic. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, although there were some incredible volunteers in the early years, um, you know, um, everybody, you know, pays, you know, in the early years, it was the city of Detroit. You know, so I mean, someone's always paid for it, right? You know, it's just uh, as the you know this event, you know, it, it's my understanding in the early years, a uh, you know a, a three year sponsorship covered you know the majority of of the costs, and then uh, you know um, it, moving forward, everybody that you know has worked in this industry has now developed a a real skill set, a real job. I mean, and this is all you know an actual real festival concert now. I mean, keep in mind in Detroit. You know, in 2000, really in, in the States, besides the traveling festival Lollapalooza, there really wasn't a blueprint for music festivals. So a lot of this is kind of, you know, we, we learn lessons as we go and, you know, we, we take notes and we try to improve the year, you know, and it, electronic music wasn't even considered a genre in most agencies and record labels. I mean, in, in even in some of the larger streaming services today, you know, in their early days of, of being categorized, elect, you know, electronic ka was the umbrella mm -hmm. that yep. just kind of everything was yep. under. Mm -hmm. You know, now you've got dozens of different genres. That, you know, there's a few at the top that are incredibly popular. And, and these are all artists that have now also developed and inspired new artists that have developed, you know, over the last 20 years. So this is now uh, an incredible, you know, uh, 
evolution of this of this entire category of music that has now moved into the same rules that other categories have have been in for a long time uh, when it comes to you know artists you know there's there's now management there's now agents that that coordinate their tours when you go into production you know this isn't you know speakers on sticks and a strobe light anymore right you know this is a, this is a full scale production and you know I think with electronic music artists and and promoters like you know we want to be able to still stand out, you know, when you, when you see some of these large budget artists that are touring now, you know, these, these top level talents, and I don't know, you know, it, I encourage anyone to go see a top level talent show right now and, and look at what has happened, you know, in, in the concert industry. It's, it's, you know, it's very challenging to try to, you know, keep up with, with, you know, the technology that has come out, not just in sound, which used to be, you know, rule number one, but in visuals. So, you know, this, this, this festival costs a lot more every single year yeah. to produce. And, you know, the way that, the way that our ticket prices are, are, are developed is quite simple. Like, you know, it, it's very stressful. We, we look at, you know, how many tickets were sold the year before, and we look at the projected budget of what this year is, and we just simply divide it. And, you know, there's a lot of risk that goes along with that because if there's any fluctuation in attendance or, you know, uh, you know, I hate to say it, whether, you know, like those things can have a really big impact, you know, uh, on those gambles. Um, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, like having to adjust ticket prices every year at all. It's just, you know, this is what the event costs that we really want to put on. And, and every year the audience has given us overwhelming feedback that they are, you know, they're, they're, they're pleased with the level of effort that we've made and, and all this, all the onsite staff has done to, to produce these events in the scale that they are. Yeah. Uh, and it's, um, it's something that we're all very proud of. Respectfully, Stephen, if you drop the pile of money in the middle of the festival, I think that would cause a stampede, and you don't have the liability might not, insurance might to cover not that. Solve the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's always, you know, like I said, somebody's got to pay for it. it, it you know, some, yeah. you know, magical, you know, source appeared. Yeah. Uh, you know, that would be great. I mean, right now we're we're very grateful for the sponsors we have. I mean, that that allows us to build certain stages and enhance certain areas. Um, but you know, it, it's it's a it's a lot more expensive than it was twenty years ago. So this is uh, the twenty fifth anniversary of of Paxahow. Um, talk about the future of this festival and this whole this whole space around electric electronic music. Yeah, you know, I you know, after doing it this long and hearing so many stories, <laughs> and you know, everyone's a futurist at, at some stage in their career, especially <laughs> in the beginning. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of theories and, you know, you see a lot of stuff going around about, you know, AIs and, uh, you know, or AI, you know, this is, this was around in the nineties anyway. I mean, yeah. if anybody here saw Lawnmower Man, I mean, that was like, that <laughs> yeah. was the, that was the earth cracking, you know, movie back then. And this is, it's, you know, it's all similar, you know, so, you know, it, it ebbs and flows. I think the human element of music production, you know, will hopefully always be recognized as the most important. It certainly is what makes, you know, the music so unique. Uh, the festival is an incredible opportunity to gather in person and dance. Um, you know, I, I, I often say that, you know, we make our clearest decisions on the dance floor. I mean, dance floors are really what, what, what we are all about. That's mm. what this whole, you know, community is really all about. And, you know, festivals and, and you know, specifically movement festival here in Detroit, you know, on this incredible property, Hart Plaza, you know, those those dance floors are unique to any place in the world and any other time of the year. So, you know, we we you know, we hope that we can continue. Um, uh, we you know, it's a it's a it's a great size event and it's a great location. And when you know, 
when everything you know works out, it's uh, it's a it's a very unforgettable experience. And uh, it's funny how fast the year goes by, but <laughs> sometimes it feels like a long time. You're waiting for the next one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Jason Huvar, Movement Music Festival Director and Principal of Paxahow. Great to have you here, and good luck this weekend with uh, the return of, the big return of Movement to yeah. Hard Plaza. Thanks very much. Yeah. Nick Austin, host of Soul Saturday and producer here on Detroit Today. Great to have you in the studio as well during this. What are you doing during your show? It's a movement, electronic music spectacular, two hours straight of movement. It's going to be the perfect soundtrack on your way to the festival this Memorial Day weekend. Excellent, excellent. All right, that is going to do it for us this week on Detroit Today. Come back Monday. We're going to take a look at whether and how our criminal justice system allows for true redemption. Also remember, if you like the show and enjoy listening, you ought to share it with your friends and your relatives, your neighbors, other folks you think would be an important part of the community that we are building here at WDET. This is WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.